Welcome back. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday break. With the new year approaching this week, Zach and Errol continue their discussion into the lack of leadership in the tech industry and its possible ramifications on things like productivity and cost control. It's the perfect time for a New Year's resolution to start a tech leadership revolution. You're the big, big boss. You tell me what to do. And I gladly do my job. But I don't like your attitude. Hey everybody, it's Paul here. To those who were with us last week, welcome back. And to new listeners, it's a pleasure to have you listening. Don't forget to listen to episode one, Growth is Always on the Table, before diving into this week's content. The Leadership in Tech podcast is produced every Tuesday, and the show notes can be found at www.techonramp.com. You can add the show to your favorite RSS feed or to your iTunes app, and check back every week so that you don't miss our latest episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at TechOnRamp, and on Facebook as well. All the links can be found in the show notes on the website. Now tell me, who do you think you are? Besides the person who happens to be in charge. So we're starting this thing because when I started my company... I ran it by you, and I gave you two basic principles of leadership, and you were like, oh my God, if I had known that when I was a manager. Well, set the scene. Okay, you invited me to lunch to hear your pitch. And I was like, oh, some guy wants me to hear his pitch. Right. Like, it's five minutes, right? And you're like, no, I think it's going to take two hours. <laughs> and I was like, a two-hour lunch? So you invite me. I think I'm just hearing, you know, just yet another idea. And I was blown away within like 10 minutes. Right, because we started with the basic principles of leadership, and you were like, if I had known, we didn't get 15 minutes into it, and you're like, if I had known two of these things, I could have retained probably four of the people who left, saved the company millions of dollars, we would have been more on point with timelines, and we didn't even get into the meat of the substance, which led us to the conversation of why is there a gap in leadership in technology. Maybe you got lucky. Maybe you worked real hard. And just maybe that doesn't make you smart. One of the things is, okay, so I'm I'm listening to this podcast and I'm a, you know, I'm just a young programmer. I don't need to listen to this. It's leadership. So I maybe somebody, right. I disagree. And the story I go back to is uh, sort of what you mentioned earlier, the power that a programmer has. People don't understand what software programmers do. I use the example of someone fixing something at your house, right? The guy comes over, he's gonna fix your door, you have an idea of what he's gonna do. He's gonna have a drill, he's gonna have some hardware, and a measuring tape, he's gonna spend an hour doing something and then the door is gonna work, right? So he doesn't have that much power, he doesn't have that much flexibility in what he... Right, I couldn't fix the door, but I know Generally, what needs to happen. Right, so if he walks in with a chainsaw... Right, that's that's wrong. It's a red flag. Right. right? <laughs> if he takes 20 hours, right. you don't want to pay for that. Right. You know that's too much. Right. right. So when you take it to the technology world and a software developer, 
It's not transparent like that. Nobody knows what they're doing. They're sitting on the computer, hacking away at the keyboard, doing something. Right. And maybe you check in after 10 hours, after 20 hours, what are they doing the, the entire time? Right. And the truth is, and what most people don't know, is they're making hundreds, if not thousands of decisions while they're coding. Right. Each of which has a tiny little effect on the company. They're not a big effect, but they add up. Right? Should I write this code with more security and spend more time on security? Should I just quick do a hacky and get it done, but not the right way? Should I experiment because I'm bored and try something that I've never done before and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't? Should I ask Joe for help because he's done this before and he can help me get it done in half the time? There's a thousand decisions that that person, that junior programmer, has to make for those 10 hours that they're working on that project. Mm -hmm. And so they need to be able to make the right decisions or some of the right decisions. And what, what goes through then a young programmer's head? You know, think back to when that was you and you had to make these hundred decisions within an hour on this program that somebody was paying a lot of money for. It depends on my state of mind. If I was bored and disillusioned with my company, then I might make a decision based on sort of personal, like selfish preference. Like, oh man, I, I've really, for my resume, I would love to learn this new technology. I'm just going to do it in that technology. Nobody cares around this place what right. I do. Right. And I go try some new technology. Is that the best decision for the firm? Right. Maybe, maybe not. But my boredom and disillusionment with whatever was going on is going to inform that decision. Right. You're, you can be uninspired. Right. And then just be completely self-absorbed. Right. It, if I was fearful, if I thought, right. uh, oh man, security is the most important thing. Like, what if our company gets hacked someday? Maybe I'll spend 20 hours working on security when maybe the company doesn't care about security. Maybe I don't know enough to even fix security, so how is that 20 hours useful? Right. So depending on whatever is in your head, and a lot of your emotional state, right. you're going to make these decisions that nobody knows about. Your boss doesn't know. They can't. You can't escalate every decision to them. Right. right. So you're kind of on your own. And so even at that level, you need to be able to lead yourself. Lead yourself. That's right. exactly right. I mean, that's and that's what it boils down to, right? So if the young programmers listening to this saying, "This is not a. This is not for me," you're you're wrong because it is for you because everything starts. You know, if I were to talk to a young programmer and that guy is that programmer's boss's boss, I'd be starting with the same principles, right? And the same principles are the self-assessment. You brought it up, your emotions. Well, coding is very unemotional. No, it's not. Not to the coder, it's not, right? <laughs> right? They get attached. They get attached to it, right? And so to be in touch with those emotions and what you're feeling, whether you're nervous, whether you're insecure, whether you're unsure, right? And then, again, you're afraid. You're afraid to ask a question. You're afraid to make a decision. Be able to get in touch with those emotions and then be able to act on them properly is huge. That you've already just made yourself exponentially more proficient and efficient if you can do that. Just sitting there at your computer. I mean, I don't even need to know what you're doing. I just know that you're doing something that somebody's paying money for and you're using all your skills and imagination and you're going to have emotions. To make the best decisions. To make the best and decisions. And then someday you're going to be a leader. That's right. Someday you're going to find yourself in charge of the team. Now you're running. Now you're not making the mistakes I made. That's right. Right? Now you're not running on the job. And the other thing, I'll tell you this as a fact. If, if I were to interview a junior programmer on a tech team and walk across the hall to the CEO, 
right? The junior programmer is going to say, I don't have the vision or the understanding to make the right decisions, right. and so I'm like crippled. And then you're going to go over to the CEO, and he's going to say, I have vision quested every day for the last month. I don't understand why my people don't know what to do. And so, like, everyone thinks it's someone else's problem. Right. But if you're a programmer sitting here right now, and you have the power to make all these decisions, you have the power to change your situation. Right. You can fix it. Right. It's not the CEO that has to fix it. Right. You can fix it. And, and is that something... So where's that disconnect go? You know, for... The CEO is saying he's vision quested all this stuff for the last month, but yet the programmer has no idea what he's talking about or what the vision is. It hasn't gotten down to him. I guess. No, it has. Got, I think that my belief is that the programmer is not in touch with their emotions enough right. to that uh, to make the decisions. They're still scared. They're right. insecure. Right. They're afraid of taking chances. Right. They're afraid of showing their work to other people. I mean, in a sense, programming is a bit like art, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, you understand that when I make a piece of art on my computer, I'm naturally nervous right. to show it to you because right. you're going to judge me. Right. Same thing with coders. Uh, you're kind of opening up a piece of, like, your brain and almost like an intelligence score you're writing right. on, on your work and you're showing it to someone else. And you're opening yourself up to judgment. And, 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 and is the judgment among coders and teams... Is it is it bad judgment? Is there a lot of negative energy? A lot of judgment out of jealousy 100%. or hundred percent? Yeah, yeah, and and fear of that. Even on the team that there isn't, there's fear of it. So there has there's like a, a level of emotional like intelligence you need mm-hmm. to roll right at, and do your job well. And so the the number one excuse if you're not there is someone hasn't told me exactly what to do. Right. Uh, the, the person hasn't made the vision perfectly clear. Right. And so I don't have to do it. And so you kind of get stuck. It's just, I don't want to say it's not hard, because if it wasn't hard, we wouldn't. I wouldn't have a job, right, to help people find it. Um, it wouldn't be such an issue. But really, just like when we sat down for the first time, and I just gave you, like, one of the very, we laughed about it, right? Well, did you tell people not to be late to the meetings? And you were like, well, no. Well, are people late? Oh, yeah, they're always late. They're nothing but late. And then we just went through, what does it mean when three people are five minutes, ten minutes, twelve minutes late? Let's, ex- let's extrapolate that to the rest of the day, to the rest of the week. And again, the dollars and cents just racked up. So... The principles just aren't that hard, but for some reason, right, we have this contempt for simplicity. And maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem in tech, right? Well, we're gonna we're gonna do this billion dollar project and we need the smartest minds on it. And the guideline that I'm putting down, number one, is don't be late to a meeting. Why well, we should all know that. Yeah, you should, but you don't. <laughs> right? You don't. Uh, you know, and, and those are those are basic elements of, of human courtesy. And if we're not having that courtesy with everybody else's time, how are we going to have that with our own time? Right. You know what I mean? And if so, if, the, if you're telling me those simple things can lead to that high-performing team right. that is having fun with their job, right. how do you not want to spread that message? Yeah, you know, my, and my question for you is, people listening, are they right now shaking their head going, yeah, yeah, that's right, this is the problem. Or are they like, how dare you expose, how dare you pull back the curtain, 
They're yeah. probably 50-50. You think 50-50? I don't know what you think. I don't know. I, I, would, I don't know what I would think. But 50-50 is scary because that's a lot of people saying, how dare you pull back the curtain on Oz? I mean, it depends on who you are. So if you're a programmer sitting at your desk, and if you're hearing that your manager doesn't understand what you're doing, right. hasn't empowered you to do your best, right. uh, and... Uh, and how about this? How about you don't even know what your job is? You don't, you're not even sure what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Then... And so then we're telling you, you can fix that on your own yeah. with a change in mindset right. and unlock your growth potential. Right. That's fantastic. Now, if you're, if you're the vice president of software at a company with 20 people under you and you're hearing the fact that you let your people not uh, be on time in meetings makes you a bad leader. Right. You may not be wanting to hear this, <laughs> right? Because you're... You're so far into it now. How do you How do you just? How do you change that? How do you go back? See, people, you know, that's the other thing. And this is not. It's not unique to technology, people, right? It's unique to everybody. The higher people get, right? So you got promoted, right? And you are aware enough and secure enough to come out and say, "Wow, all those mistakes I made," you know, as as a leader, I, you know. I can now I have my own company, and when I you know when I start hiring more and more people, I'm not going to make those mistakes, and it's going to be awesome. Um, but how about the people who were were in your position, and then they got promoted again, right? Now they're at a pretty high level, right, and they get promoted again. Are they really going to come back and go? You know, I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't I don't know how to lead, but. You know, it's it's hard. It takes. Well, you struggle with that in your regular business, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. that's not a that's not specific to tech, but no. what I'm wondering yeah. is like, so my journey is one of a little bit of growth, and I wonder about the connection of like vulnerability to growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have to be able to look at yourself and say, "I made mistakes," right, and I did it way wrong, right? You know, before, and how many people do that, right, or want to do that? can afford to do that. I mean, isn't that sort of the opposite of like power? Yeah. Right? If you want power, then you don't show vulnerability. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the rudimentary thought process behind it. But really the opposite is true. When you, when you become vulnerable and it's not calling a meeting to tell people you're afraid of the dark. That's not, you know, which I am by the way. Which, right. And that's, I think a lot of people are afraid of the dark. Okay. But, I'll give you I'll give you an example of vulnerability. Um, when I was a SEAL platoon commander, we did close quarters battle, right? And at the time, and I've come to realize through my years, this so we're talking back in 1990, my God, five, right, somewhere around there, uh, when I was in charge of a platoon of SEALs. And again, just to give it context, you know, I was doing close quarters battle with SWAT teams and other, you know training with other militaries, and there were still some of the same problems that I had seen back in 1995. So anyway, one of the things was you had this notion that the, the officer, the guy in charge, had to tell everybody where to go, right? Okay, two guys on that door, three guys on that door, throw a flashbang on that one first, and then, you know, just the whole thing. You have to orchestrate it. And so I did that. And finally, and this is a, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I had a, a really good relationship with my guys where they were 
able to come to me and speak to me honestly. And they felt comfortable doing that. And they said, you know, after one day, they said, sir, do you feel like you know this better than we do? And I you know, said, of course not. You know, they said, well, why do you feel the need to tell us exactly where to go and what to do? And that's the way everybody was doing it, okay? Now, I'm not saying, you know, Alpha Platoon, back at SEAL Team, whichever, four or one, whichever one I was at at the time, you know, revolutionized this. We did. Everybody, you know, I'm sure I was not the only person to go through this, so I don't want to give, you know, misconception about what I'm talking about. But, you know, I said, well, that's, I didn't know what to say, to be quite honest with you. But the answer was no. I didn't feel that way. And then I had to get vulnerable, right? Because there had to be a reason. I was either going to stop doing it or not. They said, well, why do you do it then? Right? And my answer was, if I don't do it, then what do you need me for? Why do you need me if I'm not telling you exactly what to do? And that's the way I felt, right? I was insecure, right? I had that emotion. It was insecurity. I was a good leader. You know, my guys liked me. We had a great platoon. And they came to me, and I said that to them. And they said, you know there's plenty of decisions that you need to make in there. Just make those. We can handle the rest. That way you can do your job, right? If you are talking about who's going on what door, when to go, who's making the big decisions? Who's leading? And they were right. So that vulnerability that I showed at that time escalated my standing amongst the platoon, where I was nervous, I, but I had no, it just, I said it. I said, what good am I? What do you need me for? And, you know, I was afraid that I would get less respect, but I got more respect. And because I was vulnerable, I was able to grow. And then it, it catapulted. It, it, would, it snowballed, rather. Then I would give more and more and more freedom and flexibility to the guys. And I, would beca I became the leader. I had the pulse of everything that was happening. I could see what was happening. I could make the small decisions before the important decisions. Well, what's an important decision then, Errol? Okay, I'll tell you what an important decision is. Hold left, fight right. That's a really important decision. Somebody's got to make that decision. That's my job, okay? It could have been somebody else's job because then I had empowered them to do that if I was someplace else. But the point is, making yourself vulnerable really empowers you and it empowers everybody around you because then you start having a discussion, right? So that coder goes to his boss, or vice versa, and somebody says, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm not sure what the best way to go is. That's vulnerability. You know how to do each side. You just don't know which side is the best way to go. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, not a lost art because it's not an art that was ever found. It takes a lot of courage be vulnerable. So it sounds like, right, that's what you're talking about. There's not a lot of vulnerability in the tech field. Yeah, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of sort of trying to protect your ego and your intelligence, right, right. as a knowledge field. And so you're sort of always being judged on how much you know. Right. But there's not a lot of vulnerability. Right. I mean, so, you know, some of the things that there's four elements that I feel like are really important when you start with self, right? We talk about moral aspect of self, the emotional, the mental aspect, and the physical aspect, okay? And, you know, the, let's just talk about the emotional for now, right? Because that's kind of where we started. There's so many emotions that go into doing anything, 
and again, the insecurity. I don't even know if insecurity is an emotion or a state of mind, but we feel insecurity, right? That's, so let's, let's just call it an emotion. You know, what do you do with that? You know, once you, but the key is to identify it in yourself. Like, I am insecure. You know what it feels, and then how do I act when I get insecure? Do I close down, right? Do I not talk to anybody? Do I get defensive? Do I make fun of other people? Right to build myself up, right? Wow, that person seems like they know what they're doing. You know, they're kind of a tree that's growing. Instead of growing with them, I think I'll just try to chop them down. That's and that's what I do when I get, you know, uh, insecure. Right. So, if we talked about that a lot, you'd be able to identify that emotion, how you react to that emotion, and then stop acting like a fool when you're insecure. You can. Identify, okay, right now I'm insecure. It's okay. I still need to ask this question. I still need to get this advice. I still need to get this guidance. You know, I still need to tell that person they're doing a good job. Like, imagine if people said, that's a really good job you're doing right now, even though I'm super jealous of how really good a job it is. Right. Yes. But imagine that, you know. So identifying those emotions. So, again, the coder sitting here right now, the young guy or girl talking, you know, thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, that's the start. Right? You start identifying your emotions and how you react, mostly negatively, negatively to those emotions. You're always reacting to an emotion. If you're happy, you're going to react. Right? You're going to hug somebody. You're going to laugh. You're going to go get a beer. Whatever it is, you're going to be really, you're going to react. Um, but if you're insecure or jealous, you're also going to react. So let's know how you're going to react to that. Let's identify it. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's hold ourselves accountable. And then imagine in five years you get promoted and you've done that, and you're looking at that coder sitting at the computer, and you're like, there's something wrong with her right now. And, and I believe that in a knowledge economy, these guys are getting paid to learn things. Learning that, what you just said, will do more for them than learning another programming language. Right. Or learning another algorithm. Right. So if we want to like learn the thing that's going to have the most bang for the buck, or the most impact, these simple lessons that you're talking about are going to have more impact in the next uh, you know, job. It's going to breed success, right? Ultimately, like, let's just talk about that emotion. Let's talk about that jealousy emotion, right? Because that's the that sounds like it's the big one, right? Because you've got a bunch of super high IQs all sitting there banging out code. Who's got the best code? Yeah, right? in your SEAL days, it's like who's toughest, right? right. You can fight. This is not. This is like who's smartest. Right. We're not fighting. Right. We're not pushing each other, but we're like... But it's the same competition. Right. It's the same competition. Right. And... and and it's the same, and that's that's what I'm saying. The leadership aspect, it doesn't matter whether you're a SEAL or whether you're a coder, right? There's still people who are at the top of their craft. And on a bad SEAL platoon, people made fun of other people's mistakes. When they weren't good enough at something, they belittled them. Now, you know, I'm going to say if I ever had that, we fixed it, right? I, I was never a part of that platoon because I know... As being in charge, that wouldn't stand, okay? But the same thing is true for you guys, right? It's still, you are either going to support that person or you're going to chop them down. And when you support those people, think about the ripple effect that has. You just went out there and said, you know what? That person I feel like is better than me. They're doing better than me. I'm going to ask them for help. Or I'm going to say, you're awesome, man. That is great stuff you're doing right there. I, I really want to get to that level. 
The ripple effect on that is now you've just been vulnerable. Now there's some trust, right? Now maybe you get a compliment in return. Or maybe you get, you know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's coming across that way right now because I am not feeling too good about which, what I'm doing right now. Which I've heard, you hear that so much. The people that you think have it the most together, right? if you talk to them, they're like, I don't know why people think I have it together. Right. Right. So now, so now you're now you're sharing. Now you're bonding, and now you're having a conversation. What What's wrong with what you're doing? Well, whatever tech tech talk tech talk tech talk. Well, did you ever try this? Now all of a sudden, you're working together. Now all of a sudden, you've got something to share with each other. Now all of a sudden, you don't hate coming to work anymore. Now all of a sudden, you're saying, Wait a second, we can get this thing done so much faster and so much better. And you start you stop thinking about your billable hours. You stop thinking because all of a sudden you've connected with somebody. You just want to be awesome now. And that's the way it works. Right. And you know, it's not, the ultimate goal is not necessarily that we care if everybody does their projects faster or better, but just can people have a better time in work? Can yeah. they have a more fulfilling job? Can they get their career track moving in the right direction? For more about what Errol is up to, you can check out his website at leader193.com. For more about what Zach's up to, you can check his out at salt.io. And you can follow what they're working on together at www.techonramp.com. See you guys next Tuesday.